0: Hey, Element, welcome to today's service. As we come into 2021, I just wanted to start and say... Thank you so much. You guys have been so faithful throughout that entire year of 2020 with COVID and all the craziness. And if you didn't get this week's email update or you are newer or maybe you don't give in a way that we can track, what I want to do is tell you some really cool things about giving last year. Uh, We were able, because of what you guys gave to Element, we were able to give away over $72,000 last year to uh, church plants, to ministry endeavors to local needs. Uh, we fully funded uh, the church plant that we are doing in Thailand all of next year. Uh, we helped several families. Uh, we serve Delta in a lot of ways. We were also, if you drive by Element and see the barn that we've been building, we we're able to construct that barn debt-free. We've also been able to expand some of our children's classrooms. So hopefully when COVID is Over and we get to gather back together. You will have a lot of extra space for your kids to have to be taught, and you can walk through hallways. It's going to be great. But we just wanted to say thank you for your generosity. We had a budget set for last year of what we thought giving would be, and you exceeded that by 37%. And so we also, just as a church, wanted to be generous to our community as well, and that's what we did. So thank you so much. Now, today, in the middle of the message, like normal, we're going to Put up a slide. When that slide comes up, we encourage you to ask your family or friends wherever you're sitting around that question, pause the live stream, take care of your kids, get a cup of coffee, come back in and re-engage. But that's why that slide going to be there. If you have a smart device, you can download an app. It is called Uversion. In Uversion, click on More and then Events. If you're in our local area, we'll come up by GPS in your smart device. If you're not in our area, type in 93455 as the zip code. You will then come up by that zip code in your smartphone. You'll get sermon notes, verses, questions, announcements, everything that goes with today's message as we are starting a new series. And if you are so inclined, you can stand with me for the reading of God's Word. This is Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Let's pray. Uh, Father, today we ask that you would take us and teach us what it means to be a people who understand that you have called us to yourself, that you've restored us from the ways that we have run from you, and that you've brought us into a family that we get to call a church. Have us be a people who live that out in the world in a way that brings great glory to who you are, and we ask that in your son's good name, amen. 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 So, uh, today, as I said, we're gonna start a brand new series. Now, throughout Christmas, when we get together with my family, they love to make fun of me. Because anytime I hand out a gift, uh, I'm always, I guys got a story for everything. I'm like, oh, here's this gift and here's this story. So at Christmas this year, it happens again. I'm handing out gifts and I start with my story and my brother goes, oh, Here we go. Well, that's how I'm going to start today. I'm going to tell you what we're going to be doing and here we go so you can get the idea behind it. I had this idea in this year that we would come to together and do a Lent journey as we got into the period of Easter. And so our Lent journey is going to take place starting 8 weeks before Easter starts. And we're going to have booklets with daily devotionals and questions for GC's and families all trying to help us as a church come together because COVID has not stopped. It's going forward. So we want to help us come together as a community. So we're going to do that Lent journey together when we get there. But I have 6 weeks before that starts. So I thought what am I going to do for those 6 weeks before we start Start the Lent journey, and that's where we get to what we're going to do today. Start calling it the greatest story ever retold. Now, there's this old Jesus movie, and it's called the greatest story ever told. And so I'm kind of making a play on words, calling this the greatest story ever retold. And these are little things in the scriptures that we've talked about before, that we have walked through, and yet we can retell them from a different way that maybe takes us a little bit deeper than what we've known before. And so these are all these little messages I've had percolating around in the back of my mind when I listen to or read things that strike me and make little notes about them. And either those will come like a Christmas Eve message or an Easter message or something like that. Sometimes if they're really good, they'll become a whole sermon series. But these are the things that I haven't been able to put together yet. So they're all coming together into this series to kind of clear my brain space, so to speak. And all these messages, as I said, are from books or sermons I've heard. And so if things in are really good it's probably not me if it's terrible then blame that on me but this is all coming together hopefully to give you a greater picture of what the scriptures speak about and things we've probably heard a million different times and today what I want to talk to you about is something that we talk about all the time at element it's very important again as we move into this new year still being affected by covid and that is the idea of community now i know it's element and all we talk about at element is jesus and gospel community but i want to retell it a little bit different and maybe a little bit deeper in a way that we understand that community is meant to also be this understanding of belonging and family Two and a half years ago, we went through Tim Keller's book called The Reason for God. And the last chapter in The Reason for God sets the foundation for community and belonging. At least, that's how I took it. That may not have been Tim Keller's ultimate point, but that's how I took it. And the chapter was called The Dance of God. Now, there's a reason that people like, uh, Tim Keller and, and Spurgeon and people like Dallas Willard all talk about God in himself and who he is as this dance of God. Because we believe that God is a triune God. That God, there is one God, but he exists as Father, Son, and Spirit. And that is one of the unique things about Christianity is how we view God as a triune God. That God in himself is relational. And God then creates us in his image so we become a relational people. We were designed that way because that's who God is. Now some people have criticized Christianity saying that we made up this idea of the Trinity and we can lovingly but sarcastically say make it up. We've been talking about it for millennia at this point and we still don't fully understand it. If we're going to make it up we'd at least maybe understand it a bit. If you have a Bible open to Romans chapter 1. One of the distinctives about Christianity and it is our view that god has to reveal himself to us we as a people can never figure out who god is on our own with any human instrument or ability we cannot go and do some drugs and go on a vision quest into the ethereal realm god has to reveal himself to us he is only known through self-disclosure and the word we use for that is revelation it's tantamount to the difference in cognitive thinking between a child and an adult but really infinitely more so like you could sneak up on most kids who think they're so smart because you are usually smarter than they are like a couple of years ago uh, some friends and i we, we were on vacation together up in tahoe going snowboarding and one of my friends john he plays bass he's also, also the chairman of our church board here has a son named aaron yes my namesake he, he's named after me Aaron's a little kid Uh, we call him little Aaron thinks he's really smart and crafty he decides while we're on vacation he's going to sneak into the other room and scare me and so I see him coming in and I go oh yeah here he comes so what I do is I step over behind the door and here he comes over and as he comes right past the door I go roar and he goes for like 10 seconds he just stands there just <gasps> holding his breath stiff as a board you could probably tap him and he would go thump and fall right over and after about 10 seconds he goes <sighs> ah, and he runs back into the other room. I was very proud of myself because, you know, for at least some sort of time I'm smarter than he is at this point. And I can do that because I am smarter for now. God is infinitely smarter than we are, infinitely more so. And so God has to reveal himself to us. Now, God does this in two ways. The first way is what we call general revelation. General revelation is that God speaks about himself by what he has created. So Romans chapter. 1 verses 19 and 20 says this for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made it's that God has made creation and it's like creation is like roar and we're like ah, it's so big and massive and amazing and some people get afraid and run the other way and go I don't believe it was created by God but God shows us who he is in his creation The second way that God reveals himself to us in what is called special or specific revelation. And special revelation is a fancy way of saying that God intervenes in this world at times to make his will and his knowledge available that would not just be known through general revelation. And so most importantly, this comes to the person in the work of Jesus. It's like Jesus shows up and God's like, roar! We're like, "Ah, grace and mercy and truth. Oh my goodness, it's so amazing. Special revelation is really given to us in the scriptures. It's important for us to understand and read the Bible because in the scriptures, God tells us about himself, our relationship with him and others and how we're to be image bearers of him in the world. And special revelation really is what helps enables us to know and understand that God is a triune God that he is one God that exists as three persons. In Genesis chapter one, God creates mankind and he speaks these words in plurality. He says, Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. Now, for Christians looking at the totality of the Scriptures, we realize that this is the beginning of our understanding of the Trinity. Now, people have used a poor analogy about the Trinity, you know, in different ways. We'll say, well, the Trinity is like H2O because H2O can be a solid, which is ice; it can be a liquid, which is water; it can be a vapor, which is steam. But it's all H2O. Or we'll say God is like an egg. You have the shell, and then you have the yolk, and then that uh, nas- nasty mucus part around that. But it's all one egg. As it comes together well in reality god's not like water and god's not like an egg god's like god but we use these poor analogies to help us to understand this a little bit better now in judaism when they get to genesis 126 they don't really know what to do with the let us there's even lots of debates in judaism even today about that but for us the trinity is where you have to go and you will hear in the world that religions around the world are all alike they all speak to the same god they just have different cultural contexts and that's not true because religions differ in their view of who God is and who man is. And that matters because we will become like what we fall down to worship. And we worship a God who is triune, who has a relationship in himself. And then when God makes us, he makes us in his image to be relational as well. This goes all the way into when you see things like marriage in the Bible, this idea of one flesh where a man and a wife are meant to become one flesh. Like Israel had this great prayer. It was called the Shema. Deuteronomy 6 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, the word one there is this word that it's called echad, and it means singularity and plurality. It's used like grapes, like one cluster with more than one grape on it. And that word used for God being one is the same word when it talks about a man and a woman getting married and becoming one flesh, that a good marriage was supposed to reflect and help us understand who God is. All the way down to these ideas of when the Bible speaks about joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, why? Because it flows from him because God himself is full of joy because of his internal and eternal relationship. Sometimes people say that God created mankind because he was lonely. Totally untrue. God has no deficiency in himself that he's using us to make up for. At some weddings, I will read this passage in the book of Genesis where God makes man and woman and he brings this woman to the man. It's this beautiful picture of intimacy and love and equality and grace. Some people will say that Genesis is all about toxic masculinity. Well, the first two chapters are not at all. It's all tenderness and hope and love. And what you see in those first two chapters, right before you get to the narrative of sin and the fall, is you read this line, Genesis 2.25, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now that can make some people very excited. Ooh, nakedness. Oh, and and it's great within a marital context, but this is about so much more than nakedness. These words are greater than a man and a woman in marriage. This is about all of us because they are words about humankind knowing one another and being known by one another in a way that we don't have to run or hide from each other. See, God makes us because he loves us. He creates us in his image, and he is good. He gives mankind this creation, this world as a gift, and he says, steward it well. Do anything you want. Just don't disobey me, because if you disobey me, you're going to break relationship with me, and you're going to seek death. And yet instead, what we did, just like they did all the way back then, is that we sought only ourselves and our own goals and what we wanted. And in so doing, we ran away from God and broke relationship with Him. We brought separation and decay and sin and death into this world. We fell out of a relationship with God and we brought death into the world. We became self-centered. And at our core, we started to live in separation. We started to live in shame, which makes us separate ourselves not just from God, but also one another. And in Genesis 3, we are told in our relationship with God unraveled, all of our other relationships unraveled as well. And the beauty of the earth started to decay and be destroyed. Keller says this, We lost the dance of joyful, mutually self-giving relationships. And today, we are too afraid just to be real. We build walls around ourselves. We try to make ourselves sound better than we are, more put together than we are. We cannot just be who we are. And today, the point of my greatest story ever retold is for us to understand that, yes, God offers salvation and God offers life with him and restoration of everything that was lost. But God also in this and understanding what the gospel brings, brings us to a place where he brings a redeemed, a restored humanity, a restored family where we come together. And right here is my slide that I want to ask you my question. And my question is this, what do you think of when you think of family? How would you define family? And if you're sitting with some people who are with you right now who are family, pause the live stream and just ask, how do you define family? And I think it's really important for us to understand that because the church was meant to be a family. Now, moving on, the Bible speaks of joy not like we experience on our own, but the kind that is characterized by God himself. This is one of the reasons when you look at the Old Testament sacrificial system, you know, all those different sacrifices they, they had to perform, they were so that people's sins could be covered, so that people could go into the presence of God and there could be restored relationship with God and mankind again. It's why everything in the end ultimately points to Jesus coming. Because when Jesus comes and dies for our sins, he just doesn't cover our sin, he removes our sin from us. He takes our sin upon himself. This is the good news in the gospel. Everything points to what Jesus would do to rescue and save us because God does not leave us in our brokenness and rebellion and sin. God determined to do something about it, and he does do something about it. And so Jesus is born, and he starts to renew humanity as we are born again. And when Jesus speaks the words that he does, they're about his call in our life to belong to his family. And that is a really big deal for where we are today, especially in the midst of COVID. I mean, loneliness and isolation is huge in our culture today. Dallas Willard once wrote this, God's aim in human history is the creation of an all-inclusive community of loving persons with himself included as its primary sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. Now, when some people hear about that, they go, well, that sounds really weird, but it's not really, because that was creation. God is our sustainer, and in the garden, God was the, the primary glorious inhabitant of what took place in that original creation. And God's solution to our loneliness, to our isolation, is the gospel, where God brings us back in together, but he makes us a family, and what we call that is the church, And the church is not a place where you go to attend a service. It's a body of people who become a family, who find our reality in Jesus himself. The church is more than a biological family. It's connected emotionally and spiritually as well. See, Jesus comes to restore us into God's family again with people who where no one's perfect, but everybody's welcome. And you may be disappointed in your biological family. I don't know if you ever experienced that, you know, some disappointments in your biological family. I mean, if so, and you're sitting there with them right now, don't point it out and say, yeah, you, because that'd just be awkward and, and weird. But in the end, that's never intended to be our ultimate family. See, God wants everyone to be part of his family his family it's what jesus died for it's what we were called ultimately to be and to do this and understand it better we have to look at the truths that are in the scriptures because today we've been too influenced by our culture 59 times in the new testament the writers will say this phrase one another in reference to being a family say be at peace with one another submit to one another admonish one another be devoted to one another speak truth to one another As a matter of fact, in your notes, uh, you're going to get a list of those one another's as well if you download that QR code and, and go look at that. But today, people will point to a building sometimes and say, oh, well, that's my church. Really? Has anyone ever pointed to a building and said, that's my family? No, no. So a building cannot be your family. See, Jesus never said, go to church. Now, we should join together corporately together. Don't mistake me here. You know, We should gather corporately together and worship God together. But what Jesus says is, follow me, follow me. And so part of what a church, a body of people, a family coming together means we need to connect people in ways that teaches them to be family. Now, Element tries to do this to the thing we call gospel communities. Do we do it perfectly? No. Are there lots of places we fall short? Of course there is. Does COVID make that even harder than normal? Yes, there's all these issues. But all of us, we cannot be friends with a couple hundred people in meaningful ways. We have to break these down into smaller groups of people. I know some of you are social butterflies and you want to be friends with, like, I will to be friends with everybody. Well, well, that's great. But if you never get to a place where people know you intimately, you're never going to grow deeper in the way that God calls us to with one another. We are called to step into one another's lives. Now, that might make a, look a little bit different right now, but God still calls us to do that. So let me up front say that a gospel community in elements mind is not a place for people just to show up and use everyone to get their emotional or physical needs met there are places that we learn to give to one another and grow with one another like if you have in your mind when element talks about gospel communities that it's a small group that meets once a week or just a bible study it's not it's people who disciple one another through everyday life together Uh, when people get together there are some people who think that you're talking about something that's really deep and heavy and to other people that exact same thing is really shallow and there's people who think that things are really shallow and end up being really deep for other people we all have a grid of how we see the world we can frustrate one another but you know what that's part of the fall and then part of coming back into God's family where he joins us back together so we can love one another in ways that actually make us the church that make us family it is why the first one another that Jesus speaks about is that we love one another open your Bibles to John chapter 13 now former U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy said this the most common pathology today is loneliness He doesn't say it's heart disease. He doesn't say it's cancer. And he says it's actually more than doubled since the 80s, where now half of America says they feel lonely. And when he said that, that was pre-COVID. People live apart from family and friends. Today, people will move for a job or they get irritated at California's politics and I'm going to get out of California and they move somewhere else. And all of a sudden they're just alone wherever they are. One survey even shows the more you look at your phone, the more lonely that you are. Apple helps you out with that now because they tell you how much screen time you use every week. I looked at mine, and on average, mine's about an hour a day, and apparently most of that is spent reading email from you. But anyway, (laughs) that's mine. But Vivek Murthy says, loneliness is worse for your heart than smoking 15 packs of cigarettes a day. Imagine that. You could like, not that I advocate this, but you could smoke like 14.9 packs of cigarettes today and have deep friendships and still be better off. Anyway, don't do that. I'm just saying. But what is God's response in all of this? John 13 verses 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you you are also to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for say it with me one another one another it doesn't say if you can out argue one another or get people in your political party with one another it says love one another because at the fall we started to hide and judge and push one another away and God wants to reverse all of that I was reading a book a few years ago that referenced this other book called The All Better Book. And The All Better Book asked little kids questions about how they would fix the problems in the world. One of the questions they asked was, how do we get people to realize smoking is bad for them? So eight-year-old Alexis, what, they said is, what he said is, go to a smoker's house, pretend to smoke, and die. Very dramatic. I know. I know. Uh, they asked these kids how to solve loneliness. And so one kid says you find lonely people, get their names and addresses. You find people who aren't lonely, you get their names and addresses, and you put those people together. Uh, Max, age nine, says you should make food that speaks to people when you eat it. That would be really scary, by the way. Uh, Brian, age eight, says stomp your feet, read a book, sing a song. Sometimes I think no one loves me, so I do one of these. Very sad, very sad. In 2016, uh, loneliness reached such heights in the United Kingdom that Theresa May actually appointed a minister for loneliness to her cabinet. In Japan, deaths among those who are alone is so frequent that they now have a name for it. And I'll probably butcher it, but as far as I can tell, it's called Kodakushi. And what happens is people die and they aren't discovered sometimes for years. Uh, The biggest story about this came out a couple years ago. A man died. No one knew. They just kept deducting his rent out of his bank account. And after three years, there was no money left. So they go to his apartment to evict him. And then they find out that he had been dead for over three years. Just nobody knew. And God wants us to be a people who are connected. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians 6, Paul speaks about some of these one another's and things like that. And he almost says some things that sound a bit like it's a contradiction, but but it's not. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul will say this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That law of Christ is that new law that we are to love one another. Galatians 6, 5, Paul will then say, for each will have to bear his own load. And that might sound like a contradiction to you, but it goes with what we are talking about. In verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load, that is the idea of something that's heavy, but it's not so heavy you can't carry it alone, like a like a backpack full of books. It's, it's heavy, but you can strap it on, you can carry it by yourself. Bear one another's burdens, on the other hand, is something that's so heavy we can never carry it alone. It's like boulders upon our shoulders. Um, Like if you needed to move a piece of furniture in your house and you can't do it by yourself and you don't want to do it with your spouse because my spouse and I move furniture together, we just argue, so you call a friend over to help you because you got to do it that, that way. But this is more than just moving couches or furniture. This is the idea of spiritual burdens that they can be just as real as physical burdens. John Ertberg tells this story about a woman who phoned a friend and she asked her how she was doing. And so the woman she phones up says, terrible, the kids are going crazy, the house is a mess, I have a headache, I feel so alone. So she says, you know what, you go and rest, I'm going to come over and cook lunch, take care of the kids, so you then can go and relax. And then she asks, so how's your husband Sam doing? And the woman on the phone says, "Uh, who's Sam? And the woman who made the phone call realized she dialed the wrong number, and she apologizes. And the lady then says, does this mean you aren't coming over? See, what has changed in our world is not the burdens that we have, not the burdens of parenting or work or addiction or health or failure or loss. Those have always been there. What has changed is those who will truly share it with us. Orpher writes this, What has changed is that no one is coming over. Now, that doesn't mean in a gospel community you get crushed by taking care of other people's kids, because it says everybody has to take care of their own load. Now, that also doesn't mean you don't help people take care of their kids. But many times there are deep and heavy burdens that come along. There could be a diagnosis. It could be a wayward child, the the loss of a job. Uh, Maybe someone was hurt in a way that they just can't express to very many people. And you love them, and they love you enough, and you tell each other what's going on in your lives. And this is the idea that we have to be able to speak to one another. We can't expect people to read our minds. I know people who have left gospel communities because they say, oh, nobody there really cares about me, when they hadn't been sharing at all. They just expect everybody to read their minds. We can't also expect people to think something's a big deal if we don't act like it's a big deal. And here's the reality. When we share a burden with other people, when someone knows about what we're going through, it somehow becomes lighter. And I don't know why that is, but it's true. And together we are told in the scriptures that we can carry what we cannot carry alone when we are in community with each other. Paul says in Romans 15 verse 7, Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. That word welcome is also the word accept. You welcome, you accept one another into friendship and family. We show one another that we, they belong together. How do we accept and welcome? Well, there's all kinds of answers to that, but the main one is we welcome like Jesus first did for us to bring us in. God has planted the need for acceptance and love deep in our souls. We all want to be prized and loved and brought in. And this is why God redeems us and calls us part of his family and makes this thing called the church. Every relationship we have in this world, apart from Christ, our acceptance is going to be based upon our performance and what we can offer. And that is not so with Jesus. With Jesus, our acceptance is based upon what he has given for us, and that is himself. It's kind of like a, a baby. Babies are loved and they are brought in even though they've done nothing yet. They, they really just eat and sleep and poop and cry and that's about it, but they're loved just because of who they are. It has even been said that holding a baby is like therapy. And I'll tell you, when COVID is over, you can get free therapy at Element. You can come and hold little kids in the nursery after a background check to make sure you're not a weirdo. But you can come and hold babies for free. In so many places, as we start to grow deeper together, we have shared experiences in life. Yuri Boffern-Brenner, who um, helped begin the Head Start program, he once said, a family is a group of people who displays an irrational commitment to the well well-being of one another. If you feel like you're irrational, that's the only place you get to be irrational is, is right there. The church is to have this irrational commitment to one another because that is how God loves us. There's this song that we sometimes sing uh, by a guy named Corey Ashbury called Reckless Love. And he got a bunch of flack for the name of the song because people will say, God's love isn't reckless, God's love is purposeful, which is totally true. But in terms of how our world looks at things around us, God's love looks pretty reckless. And we are called to be a people who have this irrational love and commitment to one another dave shields talks about how performance driven the american culture is and he contrasts that with say the philippine culture and he says in the philippines if someone invites you to coffee in their home you're essentially family then in america if someone invites you to coffee well it's more like an addition if you're smart enough and well connected enough and engaged enough you might get a second cup of coffee but a gospel community the uh, the church the people of a church are meant to invite one another to the coffee even when we're failures Even when everything has fallen apart, we're accepted. We are not shamed. We are loved because people will walk through those things with us because we share one another's burdens. It's why James, Jesus' own brother, says in James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Guys, the practice of confessing real sins to one another can take place nowhere else than in a community where people love one another deeply confession prayer healing all go together you do not confess your sins at a job interview unless you're a weirdo you do not confess your sins on a first date unless you don't hope to have a a second date you only confess your sins in a place of honesty where there is grace and love and hope And next week we're going to talk about Jesus a bit and how Jesus always seemed to be able to put his finger on what people were most wanting to hide from him. And he calls people out from those places they're hiding to places to be be healed. He takes those dark secrets and exposes them, but doesn't shame them. He invites them into his family. And that's what made people love him. They saw the love he had for them first. And what I am saying is that all of us throughout our lives try to hide who we are and our failures because we think by hiding who we are, people won't see who we really are and so they will love us. But we will never be truly loved until we put ourselves out there and show who we really are. And this is why we trust what God has done for us. We trust our God is said and done over, as it enables us to be an honest people. Guys, we can never truly love one another without being fully known, and that is the strangest thing about what God wants to create and what we are called to live in. You Guys, remember back all the way in 2019 when you could actually go to a church service together, you know, with other people. People would get up in the morning. Maybe there'd be a meltdown with the kids, whatever. You get in the car, all this screaming and fighting. Everybody's like, ah, and you pull in the parking lot. And you get out of the car, you walk in the door, and all of a sudden, boom, everything changes. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Wife's great. Kid's great. Dog's great. Car's great. Oh, you don't look like you're doing so good. You might need some help, but we're great. And then you get back in the car, and you start arguing all over again, and you get home, it's like, and it's just so weird because we are a people who are so afraid to be real in front of one another. And it seems like every sinner in this world leads a double life. And that, in the end, will kill true church community. How do we fix this? Well, how we fix it is, first and foremost, we understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we understand, that our God has loved and welcomed us in like we are. Jesus died for us exactly where we are. And then that should lead us to a place where we can do what James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Guys, again, that will only happen in smaller groups, not something the size of a Sunday morning service. I had a friend who struggled with an addiction of sorts, and he said his greatest time of weakness was at 7.30 in the morning. So every day for a year, I called or I texted him at 7.30 in the morning, and we walked through it together. Then after a year, I slowed down, and eventually I stopped because he has to come to a place where he learns to bear that load on his own. I have another friend who struggled praying with his wife. And so every night for six weeks at 6.30, I called or texted him and just reminded him. And after six weeks, I I still talked to him, but I slowed down because he had to learn how to carry the load. But it's this idea that we walk through this with one another hand in hand. No judgment, just love and help and fellowship. And we as believers need people in our lives that can walk with us through those hard and difficult places. Paul will say this in Romans 16, 16. He will say, Greet one another with a holy kiss. He will say that five times in the scriptures. And when Paul says that, it's the idea that it's not, we're not just saying hi to somebody else. That means you're developing deep relationships of affection and attachment that gets expressed in whatever cultural way is appropriate. Is appropriate. So don't come and try and kiss me because that's not appropriate in our culture. The holy kiss here was about familial attachment, that you are brought in, you belong. It means you are letting people know they are part of the family. And I want to encourage you to understand that the story of the scriptures is not just the story of how we have sinned and how we have fallen away from God. The story of the scriptures is about God's rescue and God's glory and God bringing us back in. That God is the rescuer of who we are, and he, because of His rescue, we get to belong. The result of the gospel is that we get to become part of god 's family. Yes, we are a people who have sinned, we are a people who have fallen. We are a people though who are extended god 's great grace, so we can become family again. And that's very difficult and very hard. We will stumble in a lot of ways. We will frustrate one another. We will have different views of what an election should look like when it turns out. We'll have all kinds of different things that we will argue with one another. But in the end, God is the one who rescues and redeems and calls us to be part of his family. And that's where we rest first. There are so many things that want to divide us. And this is why we must come and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ first. This is why at Element, we always talk about this thing called communion after every single message, because communion is meant to reminder of what God did to rescue us. That's why no matter where you are, if you would like, you can grab a piece of bread or or a cracker and some wine or some grape juice, and you break that cracker, you drink that wine or that grape juice as a reminder of Christ's body that was broken and his blood that was shed. Because the gospel is how Christ comes to take away our sin, take away the rebellion that we have had against God so that we are restored to relationship there. God restores relationship with us first, brings us into his family, and then teaches us to understand that this entire group of people who trust and love Jesus are now also our family. And we can come together and have relationship with one another. We are a people who are saved and redeemed And as a body of people, we were then sent out in the world to express who God is by how we love him and one another. let's be a people who start to understand that we do belong. We belong to God himself, which means that we belong in family with one another. And if you need prayer today, I mean, maybe you're in a place where you feel really alone. Maybe you feel like you have no one to connect to, and you would like to be able to connect to somebody. Well, you can send prayer requests to connectourelement.org, prayer@ourelement.org. You can put something in the side of the of the live stream if that's what you're watching right now. Uh, and if you want somebody to get in touch with you and talk with you, let us know. We would love to be able to connect with you. Maybe have one of our gospel community leaders reach reach out to you. We are meant to be. A people called the church who are a family in this world who come alongside one another. And we really need that, especially in the times that we are right now. And if you'd like us to be able to connect with you in a way, please, please uh, let us know. Uh, You can give because giving is always part of our worship. You know, God gave so much to us by reconciling us to himself. So we are also a people who give. And again, thank you so much for your generosity in 2020. I'd encourage you to to grab a copy of the sermon notes with all the one another's that are in there and look at those and talk through those and, and walk through those and ask those sermon note questions to one another about what it means to really be a family. And to walk with one another because we must understand that our God loves us and has restored us and brought us in. And we understand the depth of that, it will change how we begin to live. And we will truly be those who carry one another's burdens and love one another as we have first been loved. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would take us and teach us what it means to be a people who have been brought in and reconciled and redeemed and saved We ask that we would understand the family that we now belong to, that we don't have to fake it anymore. We can totally be real. And the places where we stumble and fall are places where you step in and walk with us and lead us to other people who can then share those burdens with us. I ask that you would show us those around us who need the love that you have first given to us so that we would love them as well. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would take our hearts and confront us in the places where we are running from your call to be a family and that you would renew and fill us every single day like you promise you will and that we would begin to live out your great call in this world for your glory but when you gain in glory we all ultimately get to live in the joy that you provide so teach us to be those who live out in this world as your family honoring you that we would understand the retold story that we belong to you so often we tell ourselves the stories that nobody wants us that we're not worthy enough that you retell the story of our lives in the gospel that reminds us that we do belong that we are wanted and that you have rescued us teach us to be a people who live in that rescue we ask this in your son's good name amen